Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Scripture lesson this morning comes out of the 15th chapter of John's Gospel. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And who also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I'm going to God who sent me yet None of you asks me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your own good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment in regard to sin because humanity does not believe in me in regard to righteousness, because I am going to God in heaven where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned, I have much more to say to you and much more than you can bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, the spirit will guide you in the truth. It will not speak on his own, but it will speak from what The Spirit hears. The Holy Spirit will tell you what is yet to come. God will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, come. Pour out amongst us gathered here as you did at Pentecost. Pour out amongst us gathered in worship this day and fill our hearts until they overflow so that we hear who you would have us be, what you would have us do, but change so that we would go forth from this hour and do your work in the world. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. There's many teaching theories that are out there. When I was in seminary, I took a class in Christian education and we learned about James Fowler's ages and stages of faith development, age-appropriate pedagogical teaching that really sort of helped us figure out how we instruct children, youth, and adults in faith formation. They're still practiced today because these are time-tested theories just based on human development. But there are other teaching theories that are out there. There's one that I like called crawl, walk, and run. It's pretty self-explanatory. And then you get into the more nuanced ones like apprentice, novice, journeyman, and master. But I think the one that resonates with many and really resonates with me is this one in which it's called show, teach, and then do. 
I mean, in this model, the learner sees what it is that they're supposed to do. Then they are taught how to do it. And then they're finally turned loose onto the world to do it themselves. So as we read in our liturgy, as we listen to the prayers, as we think about what we said earlier, and we notice that the pyramid colors have been changed to red, there's something special about today. It's Pentecost. One of the high holy days in the church year. It's really in a season. It's wedged between the ascension and the Sunday of the Holy Trinity. This idea where Jesus, post-resurrection, has been teaching the disciples and finally ascends into heaven. And then ultimately we celebrate the doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, three in one. But on Pentecost, we celebrate the Holy Spirit being poured out in Jerusalem like tongues of fire and a mighty wind poured out among all that were gathered there. We celebrate sort of the completion of Christ's redemptive work and a promise received in the Holy Spirit. We think of Pentecost as the birthday of the Christian church, where it was really born from this movement of Jesus' teaching in the movement that we know it today. And liturgically, Pentecost begins the second half of our liturgical calendar. This idea being where we've gone from Advent to Lent to Easter, and we finished the Easter season, and now in Pentecost, it's a season of growth and practice of faith. In our text today in John, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. It's one of the appearance narratives where Jesus appears again and again to the disciples following the resurrection. See, he comes and he's promising them. He says, look, I'm not going to be with you always, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, depending on what translation we read. These are all the words. He says the Holy Spirit is going to help you witness to what you have seen, to what I have taught you. Jesus is telling them it's time. It's time for you to take what you have seen and what I've taught you. It's time for you to take it in hand and for you to run with it. In one sense, Jesus in today's text is foreshadowing what will happen at Pentecost. And in another sense, he is looking at the disciples and he's saying, I want you to go out and I want you to be ministry multipliers. There's been one of me and I've been showing and I've been teaching, but there's 12 of you go and the 12 of you show and teach 12 more so that they will go and show and teach 12 more and it multiplies into the mighty cascade of the church that we know it today in the 21st century. You see, at Pentecost, on days like day, we are reminded that we are called to go and to do like the 12 were. That we have witnessed and we have learned what God has done in the world around us, what we have studied in Scripture, and that we are called to go forth and to share it. And so it's the power of the Holy Spirit poured out on us, gathered in worship and called us and we're poured out on us to use it in our lives. And the Spirit fuels us to witness to Christ, to be a guide of the truth and to glorify God by our very lives, our very being. 
class I took in leadership development talks about that there are episodes and epics in which they refer to as a paradigm shift where things that everything was just you could count on all of a sudden the world just changed on its axis if you will but as you have those paradigm things you find yourself in these in-between spaces well I think of it as limbo but really the word we're looking for is a liminal space See, this liminal season, it's the story where you're caught between what was and is no longer, but yet what is, not to, what is to come is not yet fully developed or arrived. Best way I know to speak of, think of that is to think of the circus. Now, those of you who remember this, and this is, I mean, it's pretty simple women to use this analogy. But the circus, if you remember, I always like the trapeze artist. You know, they're swinging you high above you, maybe with, without a net, I don't know. And there's this moment where the trapeze artist is swinging forward and let's go. Now that is a terrifying moment for me or for many of us because we're 40,000, you know, the, the artist is 40 feet in the air and they're holding on to nothing and the trapeze is coming at them, but they've not yet caught it. So they're flying through space wildly waiting. That's the liminal season, where they've let go of what they know, but they have yet to grab hold of what will come. Jesus, in speaking with the disciples in our text today, it's a liminal season. They've seen the crucifixion and the resurrection. They've seen the hope and the joy that comes from it, but yet Jesus is still with them. This is what we sometimes lose thought of, is that Jesus is still with them for a period of days after the resurrection. Jesus just doesn't show himself and then disappear. Jesus is there assuring them, reminding them, strengthening them, and it tells them, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to witness to this. So that's why the appearance narratives are so important. It's because Jesus knows they're in this liminal season. Friends, we are in a liminal season. Just a few minutes ago when Abby and Tammy and I were standing down there talking to our graduates, they are in a liminal season. They're in the process, depending on when the schedule is, of walking across the stage, getting the piece of paper, turning the tassel, and then life happens afterwards. They're figuring out about college and roommates or the working world or what they're going to take or what they're going to do, where they're going to live, who they're going to live, all of these things. There's this liminal season for them. But make no mistake about it, our world is in a liminal season. I mean, think about it, we're sort of entering that, that part of the post-pandemic phase where we're not finished with it yet, but we're so done with it already. There are changes that are happening and we are re-emerging back into life, but we know that what was will not come back, but we're not sure what will be yet. We may have some ideas, we may take the best of the past and try to hold on to it for the future and make it better, but we're still unsure. But make no mistake about it. Even in the liminal season, even as we're flying through there waiting to catch the next trapeze, we're reminded of this. We're reminded to witness to Christ that Christ guided, guided the disciples through that liminal season and Christ is guiding us through it now. That Christ is the constant, Christ is the unshakable, Christ is the solid rock upon which we can stand even as we're waiting to grab a hold of the next part. 
See, when the Holy Spirit is poured out across us in this room, across us in worship at home, in our places, we're reminded that it's going to be okay, that we are not going to be left alone. Things may not be exactly what we want them to be. It may be a little clunky, a little different, a little messy at times, but that's okay because we are not abandoned. That was the joy that the disciples realized listening to Jesus. And so what we remember is in the liminality of life, no matter what it may be, post-pandemic, post-graduation, changes in life, trying to adjust to a new city, a new job, no matter what it might be, that we are not alone, that God is with us. That Christ will send the Holy Spirit to guide us. And that's the key. Just as he said that I will, send this, I will send the advocate to guide you, I will send the advocate to ground you in the truth. What we begin to realize is that there is truth all around us. We begin to see it in the world. We begin to realize how broken our world is. I mean, the signs are there. We see the inhumanity that happens in society from time to time. We see things like the climate crisis. I mean, if you really want to see an example of the brokenness of our world, I think you don't have to go any further than the grocery store parking lot. Now, just bear with me on this. I think in the grocery store, there is this unwritten social creed. If you take a grocery cart or a buggy, depending on where you grew up uh, and when you grew up, if you take the buggy and you go through the store and you fill it, when you go to checkout, they put your bags back in it, right? And then what do you do? You either take your bags and leave it in the cart corral in the store, or you take it to your car. Now, if you take it to your car, once you unload the bags, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to put it back in the cart corral, right? The one in the parking lot. How many times have you driven into the grocery store parking lot and there is a grocery cart that is sort of free range over here somewhere? Or maybe in sort of the back median of the parking lot, they have gathered like wildebeests in the wild. All kidding aside, that to me is a sign of the brokenness of our world. Because we know in our heads and in our hearts what we're supposed to do. And with few exceptions, when the carts are left out like that, we break the contract because that's just our human brokenness. See, when Jesus is speaking with the disciples, he's pointing out the brokenness to them. He reminds them that the brokenness doesn't just go away because of the resurrection. Grace abounds to all of us, but the brokenness is still there. We've got to challenge ourselves to be better. We've got to challenge ourselves to, to live better. We've got to call out the brokenness in the world and do our part to heal it. And so he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to aid you to speak in to the brokenness. See, the Holy Spirit reminds us that God will redeem any of the brokenness around us, that it is possible that no matter what brokenness happens in life around us, that God can redeem it, but it's the Holy Spirit that opens our eyes to see it. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us more painfully aware of the brokenness I mean, we're really dialed into the Holy Spirit. We're really listening to what God is saying to us. We begin to see more than just grocery carts free range in the parking lot. We begin to see the inhumanity that we sometimes perpetuate. We begin to see the pain and the suffering of the world. And it's the Holy Spirit 
that not only makes us see it and aware of it, but gives us the, spow- the power to speak to it and about it. And so just as the Holy Spirit lets us know that we are not alone in our liminality, it is the Holy Spirit that gives us the strength to speak the truth to sin and brokenness around us. But then, it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to run with what we have seen and what we have learned. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to practice those things. I remember the power of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit enabled the disciples, if you remember the story, it enabled the disciples to speak all the languages of the world. They were gathered for the festival 50 days in after Easter, 50 days after the Jewish festival, they were gathered there and the Spirit came like a mighty wind or tongues of fire. And they were speaking in all the languages of the world, testifying to the truth of Christ. So much so, if you remember in the Acts 2 scripture, the people said, oh my gosh, it's not even 9.30 and they're drunk. And Peter has to be the one that stands up and says, time out. We're not drunk. It's the Holy Spirit. See, it was the Holy Spirit that allowed the disciples to speak the truth so that everyone could internalize it in the language that they knew. I mean, that was the miracle that the people could finally hear the truth in all the languages of the world. It didn't have to be translated from one to the next and losing something along the way. I mean, that was the miracle, if you will, of the King James Bible when it came out, was it no longer was a sacred text in Latin only, but it was in a language the masses spoke. That was the power of the printing press, is that we could print Bibles so that you could have one in your home or 12 or however many you have because of the power of the printing press. Everyone could have their own copy for themselves and begin to eternalize and learn that message. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit, the 12 could teach the world that diversity was glorious, that diversity was good, not divisive. Could teach the world that there is enough grace for all to go around. There's enough grace for every one of us that call ourselves children of God, which by the way, that's the entire planet. That sharing grace, sharing God's love, would not deplete the supplies that there were plenty so that none of us would be without. And just because we share it doesn't mean we have less. No one has to lose anything. As a matter of fact, what we learn from the power of the Holy Spirit is the more that we share it, the more we gain as a community, the more we gain as the blessed kingdom of God. And thus, by doing the Acts 2 church, The model I think all churches should be built on, the Acts 2 church was born out of that power of hearing the Holy Spirit and going forth and sharing and doing. So my brothers and sisters, the power of that for us poured out across us. So remember that Christ died for us. That Christ calls us to see and to speak to the brokenness of the world, but that Christ nudges, Christ challenges, Christ beckons us to live faithfully to live Christ-like lives, to teach others by doing what Christ showed us, by doing what Christ taught us. So if we do that in our daily lives, if we have this mindfulness about the way we live, an awareness for others where our words and actions become what we do, this mindfulness, we become like the eyes of Christ. 
where we live looking just like he did for those that were hiding in the margins. Or this idea of kindness, simple, magnanimous acts where we are really serving as the hands of Christ. Or goodness, this idea of bringing out the best or this attitude, this, this heart of Christ for the world. I mean, just those simple things, mindfulness, kindness, goodness, if we lived and practiced that every day, imagine what we are teaching the world, what we are showing the world. And when we do that, it follows what we say in our liturgy that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So today, Today on Pentecost, we sort of do several things. We honor our graduates as we fling them out on the world. But we're also reminded. We're reminded on Pentecost that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples. The Holy Spirit is poured out on us. That we have seen the good works of God. We have learned the scriptures. We've learned the teachings. But the Holy Spirit calls us to go forth and to show and to teach and to do. So may we go forth from this time of worship into the world, showing, teaching, and doing the work of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.